When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Joe Pugh for IFL TV. We're here on Monday morning once again with Gareth A. Davis. It feels like every week we're talking about another fantastic performance, whether that be in Devin Haney, Jordan Gill. This week is Jesse Bam Rodriguez. So let's get straight into it, Gareth, because... Yeah, what seemed like a 50-50 fight going into it. Such a fantastic fight. And what a dominant performance. What a great performance from Bam. He made it his fight. He made Sonny fight his style. I mean, we hadn't seen that style in the five world title fights from uh, Sonny Edwards before this. And he wasn't the will of the wisp moving around, being elusive. He maybe was made to hold his feet by Bam from the opening rounds. and couldn't really establish a foothold in making it his fight. Bam Rodriguez, Jesse Rodriguez made it his fight and I thought he was very, very dominant. I think I had him up 88-82 by the end of that ninth round, Joe. How big of a part do you think the eye played into it? And did it change his fight? Did Sonny have to fight Bam's way after that? Yeah, I think the eye would have played into it. Um, There was definitely vision problems for him. I mean, you won't deny him that. I thought he was very transparent afterwards, Sonny, that that Bam was the better man on the night. Um, Maybe he's the better boxer overall. He's a much bigger man than Sonny in the ring as well. I mean, you could see that he could easily go up to bantamweight, frankly. And he carries the power. We knew he had 11 knockouts from 18 fights. Now he's got 12 in 19. Um, Yeah, the eye would have played a factor. Um, Sonny was having to fight through that. Um, There was a time in the fight when his trainer, Grant Smith, said, be more elusive, you're being caught too much. Around about the fourth or fifth round. But that was the beginning of that very dominant period between rounds five and nine, where Bam literally took over and and he was taking punches from Sonny as well but Sonny wasn't really putting a dent in him I, I I think we were expecting the elusive Sonny Edwards who was diff would be difficult to hit 
but it wasn't. He stood his ground and planted his feet from the very beginning. And, you know, fair play to him. He gave it his all. And I think he, as I say, he was magnanimous in defeat as well. He sold the fight well. And obviously he's got the fall afterwards, the hubris from having done all the talking and your broken jaw and all of that kind of stuff. But I thought he took it all very well. Yeah, how important is it for fighters who kind of take their first loss to be humble in defeat? And he certainly has been. He's took it really well, it seems, from social media. And I think he's just given full respect to Bam, who was just the best man on the night. Yeah, absolutely that. I mean, I think it's a mark of who Sonny Edwards is as a man and also as a fighter and an athlete, but also a mark of that he'll be able to come back from this. That he 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 wasn't broken by the defeat. Uh, that obviously he's going to feel down. Obviously he's going to have to get through things um, after that first career loss, professional career loss. But um, the way he portrayed himself afterwards didn't hide away, didn't shy away from the cameras. Spoke with Eddie Hearn afterwards, thanked Hearn for the opportunities. And there's there's other good fights out there. For him, you know, I mean, they were trying to line up Galal Yafai, who got hit quite a lot in his fight as well, mm. uh, by the way, a, but a big learning fight for him. There's a, there's some big fights for um, Sonny Edwards still in his career. It's not going to be the end for him. But I do think for Bam Rodriguez, I like the Estrada fight. I like the Chocolatito fight. Um, there's some big, big fights for him out there. And he may well end up, as I say, going up to bantamweight by the end of his career. He's only 23. And I think what we've seen recently, when, when you've got these guys in their young, early 20s, like Devin Haney against Regis Progre, apparently wearing, weighing 165 pounds when he got in there, um, Bam looked like a bantamweight in there. He didn't look like a, a, a flyweight, much, much bigger than Sonny. And there's, there's size and weight divisions for a reason in boxing. Do you believe that performance has inserted Jesse Rodriguez into the pound-for-pound mix? Yeah, that's an argument. It's definitely an argument. Um, You know, I I don't know why the Ring Magazine belt wasn't on the line. That was a bit of a strange one, um, because it really was the number one and the number two in the division, in my view. but yeah, you, you need to start talking about Bam as potentially that. When you look at Sonny's record going into this, the five world title fights, the thing I might have said to you off air, or certainly I'd said to you in the lead up to this, uh, the five opponents were 120 and five was their record, his previous five opponents. So when you look at who Bam's fought as well, um, victories over uh, Rung Visai, and um, you would look what Rung Visai's done. So Yes, I do. I think there's definitely an argument. Certainly top 20 at this point. Excellent. Yeah, and um, we'll go back to uh, England, Sunderland, also earlier on in that night. Josh Kelly put on kind of a statement performance against a game Ramirez who come to fight. How impressed were you with Josh Kelly? Because in the lead-up, Adam Booth, Kalasawal, and was saying, look, his power was so developed, he's a mature fighter now, and he certainly showed that on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I would urge people to go and see the interview I've done with Josh Kelly on the Off the Cuff series on DAZN, 
which I did last week. Fantastic interview. He shows his maturity in that interview, by the way, that we did down at Booth's Boxing Gym in Surrey. Um, yeah, um, jab, uppercut, finish against Placido, um, who I thought, you know, came to fight. He was going to come and give it uh, to, to Josh. Great performance. You were up there, I think, in Sunderland. Great performance by him in front of his home crowd at the uh, um, the Beacon, Beacon of Light, wasn't it, the, the venue? Um, it all goes well because now he's going to chase Tim Zhu um, for that WBO strap. He's the number one ranked fighter as a challenger. Um, they'll really be pursuing that. I spoke to Callis Sauerland, which you will have done at the weekend as well when I was on radio, and he really wants that fight for Josh next year. Josh is putting it out there that he'd fight Connor Ben, that he'd fight Chris Eubank. He's in the right place saying all the right things and clearly over that period he had where he had clinical hypochondria, where he was just inventing illnesses for himself that he really couldn't understand, um, you know, ahead of the David Avenesian fight. I really like Josh. Um, as I say, he, he, he did a great job against the Colombian on Saturday night. The same style of knockout as Jake Paul the night before over Andre August, jab uppercut. Um, which uh, which gets him back in the win column. Got to mention it because it was almost identical. Yeah, it was. Um, I think J Jack Balls was a little bit earlier on in the fight. Um, just on Josh, when I was up there in Sunderland, I spoke to Callis Owland and he confirmed that the Conor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. fight is dead in the water. Those are his words. I know you've been very vocal over the past kind of two, three weeks that you thought we've been delayed. Are you shocked that it's completely off now? I, I don't think it's necessarily completely off. There's so yeah. much money potentially for those two to have that fight that it wouldn't surprise me if it did happen at some point. Um, but they are looking for a big fight for Chris Eubank Jr. around world's title level. I think Yannibek Alim Kanuli was, was mooted as an opponent. And then there was someone that um, Chris Eubank had never heard of and he was having a pop at Calla Sauerland uh, on, on social media. Um, I can still see the fight happening. Um, you know, it, obviously, they, they couldn't come to an agreement over it. Eddie Hearn's now teasing that they're going to try and get Devin Haney over to the UK to fight Conor Ben, which sells and is a big fight as well. It's a stadium fight, an opportunity for British fans to see Devin Haney in action. Um, and I have urged when I've spoken to Bill Haney and Devin Haney for them to come here, because I don't know if you think this, Joe, but I think he'd be a massive hit over here. I think the fans would love to meet him. And obviously he's just starting to touch on a period of potential greatness in his career right now. So, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all, particularly because one of the reasons that I was um, logically thinking about that fight not happening on February the 3rd was how they get the the licenses over the line and the fact that hearing was still pending in January with the Boxing Board of Control and UCAD for Conor Ben. So um, I think Conor Ben will get out probably before the spring next year. Um, if it's Devin Haney, fantastic. Very tough fight for him, by the way, but a great fight if they can get Haney to come up to welterweight. Yeah, I think another two names were mentioned were 
Barrios and Ugas for Feb for potentially in Las Vegas. When you look at it, both of those names are, are a very big step up from where he's fought before. Um, is that a statement of intent and just how fast Conor Ben wants to move now after kind of two years pause? Yeah, I mean, a two years pause, obviously he fought a couple of months back, mm. didn't he, yeah. um, in America. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, Chris Eubank was a, was a step up. He's a world-level fighter. There's no doubt about it. Um, but like you say, Ugas, Barrios, both great um, and, and attention-grabbing fights for Conor Ben. And if they do it in Vegas, and obviously he's going to be under a different jurisdiction, um, what's clear is they want to get Ben out again as soon as possible. And uh, obviously, it'll be after that hearing in January. And he may even be able to get a British licence at that point. Um, because if they win their jurisdiction case, then the board, I think, are going to be forced into a situation where they're going to have to licence him. That 140-147 division is absolutely on fire at the minute. Everyone's kind of trying to verbally agree in fights over Twitter. Obviously, in an ideal world, we'd love to have Devin Haney versus Javante Davis, Sabril Matias, Tiafimo Lopez. Everyone's going in the mix. I think 2024 could really be a glory year for that weight division, couldn't it? I think 2024 is lining up um, to be a fantastic year anyway. We've got all the heavyweight um, kind of developments over in Saudi Arabia. We, we, we will see more and more of those events. Light heavy and cruiserweight are also being touched on over there uh, as well. Um, that that 140-147 axis uh, with Teofimo Lopez, Devin Haney, Tank Davis knocking around it, Shaka Stevenson coming up and up at the moment in terms of weight divisions. Um, you know, Ryan Garcia round and about that as well. The guys you mentioned there as well. It's a phenomenal division. It's a very important division for the United States at the moment uh, because they aren't having the big fights at heavyweight over there. Las Vegas is not hosting Wilder and Fury or Joshua and, F and Wilder and Usyk and and, and the others. So it, it, it's really important that those divisions um, stand out at the moment. And this, like you say, there's some amazing fights, some big super fights between the likes of Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez, um, Tank Davis, Shaka Stevenson, uh, Matias, and all these others at the moment. It, it's, it's a fantastic, it's always been a great weight division that certainly in my time covering the sport, around 10 stone, 10 stone seven, it's always been a great division to cover. Yeah, certainly. You mentioned that the US aren't getting the heavyweight fights. Uh, Saudi Arabia are, and we, we'll come on to that in a minute because I know you're travelling out there tomorrow. But I want to get your attention on an um, uh, interview that John Fury done a couple of days ago where he seemed really concerned about Tyson Fury's camp, about people who surrounded Tyson Fury. I think he even called his camp a circus. Um yeah, is that a worry for you going into what will be the biggest fight of his career? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. No, I think it's always good when John voices these things. He has really strong concerns around Tyson's future, around his career. Um, and I think one of the things that that we always get from John is a lot of honesty around Tyson. Um, I mean, I can remember John talking in the past about wanting Tyson to retire after that last Wilder fight. Remember, he promised his family he was going to retire, but the riches and the glory are, are so great with what's happening in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia at the moment that there's no way he can, well, there is a way, but he doesn't want to give up regardless of being very wealthy now and apart from a Yusuk and Joshua fight, having fought most of the of the leading fights fighters of the era, in I mean in terms of Klitschko uh, and Deontay Wilder. Um John, John is John's voicing of concerns, I think is always a good thing for Tyson Fury. It's always a good thing for everyone in camp, because he's like the sergeant major, shaking it all up. Um, and whenever I hear John speak about these things, I know it means that he's trying to get his son and get the team to get focused. Um, I've had a few words with Fury's camp and management over the last few days. Doesn't really want to do many interviews at the moment. He's very focused. He's got to be focused for Alexander Usyk, because that fight against Francis Ngannou should have sharpened him, and I think it will have. It's not a long time to go now. Um, you know, you think we get through this week, then it's the Christmas week, then it's six and a half weeks to the undisputed title back in Saudi Arabia. So, no, John voices voicing concerns is a great thing for Tyson, in my view. Are you confident that whatever problems there were, if there were problems for the Francis Ngannou fight, will and have been ironed out by the time we get round to that Ring of Fire date in February? I think it's a completely different fight when he goes into the Ring of Fire against Alexander Usyk for the undisputed title. It's a fight he must win for his legacy. Um, it's a fight in which he's going to be up against a completely different style of opponent. It's a fight that he's going to get a lot of adrenaline and sharpeners for. Um, it's a fight where 
he should at his best be able to defeat Alexander Usyk. Much as it is a fascinating contest, it may be a chess match. Um, he may have periods where he wants to rush Usyk. They may, that may not work for him. Um, now, if anything, um, if he truly is motivated, then it's going to be an amazing spectacle. Alexander Usyk, we know, is motivated. Fury, for me, is clearly motivated for this fight. He will want to put the record straight. He will want to be the dominant heavyweight of the era. There's a lot of jeopardy in this fight for both of them. But obviously, it's a two-fight deal. Um, so we may well see them fight twice unless someone absolutely obliterates the other um, for some reason in the ring on February the 17th. But for some reason, Joe, I've just, in my own crystal ball, I just see a very cagey physical chess match in that first fight. And I've already put it out there. I just think they might go, not go, but they might have a draw in that first fight. I mean, everyone would like there to be something clear and resolute in the results, but I just have a feeling it's going to be a very cagey fight. Well, we've only got, I think, nine and a half weeks to find out now. I did mention it. You are travelling out to Saudi Arabia for the day of reckoning tomorrow, so just kind of final topic. We're just going to talk a few things about that. It's now been confirmed in the past, I think, two, three hours that Jay Pattaya has vacated that IBF belt in order to fight Ellis Zorro out there. Yeah, I don't think I've actually spoke to you about that. Were you shocked by the way the IBF or the way Jai has handled that situation? Not really. I think the IBF can often stick to their rules. He's not in the top 15. I, d I did have a look when the fight was first announced and saw that he wasn't in the top 15. So he's gone for the purse um, and the payday and and not the belt. And, and it doesn't matter for Opatire because he's such a big name in the cruiserweight division now that he can easily get world title fights again. Um, I think he's still with Eddie Hearn, isn't he, in matchroom. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him fighting for world titles next year. Um, no, it's, it's, it, am I shocked? No, not at all. And I, and I see him winning on Saturday night as well and, uh, and, in, and cementing his name. If he's not too damaged, getting into camp with Tyson Fury um, for the last few weeks of his sparring uh, before Fury fights Usyk. Obviously, very similar style to Alexander Usyk. May even have faster hands than Usyk. He's, we've certainly seen him look very impressive most recently against Jordan Thompson here in the UK. Palisau said to me how confident he was of Lyndon Arthur pulling off a huge upset against Dimitri Bivol. Lyndon Arthur's been around that domestic mix. He won that IBO world title last time out. Is he seriously kind of in there for that big upset against Dimitri Bivol, who's just looked unstoppable in his last three fights? In his own mind, he will be. In Caller Sauerland's mind, his promoter's mind, of course he will be. Um, but I think Bivol is so technically efficient, um, such a smooth operator, that I see... I see a points decision um, for Dimitri Bivol, and I see him as a huge favourite in the fight. Um, I think he's even got the skills to beat Artur Betabiev if those two meet next year in an undisputed title. 
Um, no, I don't, I don't think Lin's enough to defeat him. I just, as I say, we've seen him. He's very clinical, and I just think he will win against Lyndon Arthur on points. But it's a great opportunity for Lyndon if he can take it. I think coming out of the press conference, coming into the fight week, the fight that everyone's talking about, the wild card, if you like, is Daniel Dubois versus Jarrell Miller. In your own words, how is that going down? Because, yeah, it's just unpredictable, isn't it? I'll do it in my own words, Joe. It's Go a on, 50, 50, it's a 50 it's a 50-50 fight and if if Daniel Dubois um can't make an impact on what will be after all those buffets out in Saudi Arabia a 300 pound plus um Gerald Miller who who I really rate by the way as a very decent heavyweight boxer um I just think if he can't get him out of there in five, six rounds and hurt him at least. I think Gerald Miller comes through and eventually stops Daniel Dubois. But there's a lot of jeopardy for him in this fight. It's a fight that Frank Warren, his promoter, has highlighted as potentially one of the most exciting fights of the night. And I do agree with that. Um, a lot of jeopardy on Daniel Dubois in this fight. We, we know what's happened, obviously, that he's a devastating puncher. We know what happened with Joe Joyce, where he took a knee and it was stopped because of damage to the eye. He gave Alexander Usyk a very trying five, six rounds, five and a half rounds um, out in Roslaw in, in, in Poland earlier uh, in the year. Um, and now he's got the opportunity to show that, you know, even though he was stopped again in that fight, that he still got it at world level. So there's so much on the line. And also for Miller, he can put himself in the frame as a future opponent for an Anthony Joshua, um, as one of the players in the Middle East, as a player, if he can win, to fight the likes of Francis Ngannou. Um, so it's a really big fight. It's a really big card, as you know. It's a really, really big fight, that one. Last one, Gareth. Are we, the boxing media, the boxing fans, the world, boxing world, getting overexcited about Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder? for next year because they've got some uh, pretty big kind of banana skins in the way in the shape of Otto Wilding and Joseph Parker. They're two big, hungry heavyweights in the way in Joseph Parker and Otto Wallin. Um Those two guys obviously know and will have heard that um, Wilder and Joshua are being lined up potentially to face each other on March the 9th, which looks like there could be another card out in Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, I, do, I do think Joshua is, is quite a big favourite. I do think if he goes in there with his mindset right, um, he can get the job done. He's very dangerous when he lets his hands go. Can he let his hands go? He mustn't let Wallin fiddle about and get into the fight too much. Um, we know that he has struggled a little bit with southpaws. But he's got to impose himself and impose himself early. I think he does get the job done. Um, ditto with Wilder. I think he does get the job done against Joseph Parker, although it might might take him a few rounds as well. Um, but no, I don't think we're getting overexcited about it. Um, I do think if they both win, they'll fight next year. Um, and that will be a fantastic event in itself. 
because it's one of the biggest draws in boxing and five years in the making, if you recall, because they first started talking about that fight back in 2018, even before uh, Wilder and Fury had begun their, their trilogy. So uh, great card, massive event. And I've got Arslan Beck, Mahmoudov winning as well. I've got French, Frank Sanchez winning. And I'm trying to think, is there one other fight in the card? And I've got Ergovic winning as well. Um, but I, I do think we'll see a lot of knockouts on the night, as we did at the Battle of the Baddest, where, you know, on the on the undercard, apart from... No, I think they were all stoppages, weren't they, on the undercard? So uh, it, I think we'll get more of the same this time. Excellent, Gareth. I won't keep you too long, because I know you've got your packing to do. And I'm sure someone will see you out in Saudi Arabia. So uh, have a good time and uh, enjoy the day of reckoning, mate. Thank you very much. I'll see you after Christmas. I'll see you after Christmas, Gareth. Sports Social Podcast Network.